everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. Episode 77, this one dedicated to previewing the Astros and White Sox American League Division Series, which kicks off this week. Uh, appreciate all the support. The uh, last episode I added video to, and it got a good response, so thank you for that. Um... I'm going to try to do that once a week and see where that goes. But uh, I'm not going to have too much of a long intro here. I'm just going to kind of go right into it. I recorded this interview with our baseball analyst, our KHOU baseball analyst, Jeremy Booth. He uh, joined me for a pretty long conversation about these two organizations, how they match up, what he thinks the series is going to be like, who has the advantage, what's going to make the difference, and how these two organizations have really been built from the ground up. The White Sox have been awful before last year, but so were the Astros there for a period of time. So we kind of go into the player development side of things, which I think was kind of interesting to hear a former Major League Scout's perspective on how these two organizations have been built. And also Jeremy shares a little bit of information, some news uh, later on in this podcast that I think you guys might uh, might be interested in hearing. It involves Jim Crane and General Manager James Click, which... Um, I thought it was interesting, kind of adds a different dynamic to what maybe is going on behind the scenes. Uh, but the Astros and White Sox kick off on Thursday. I recorded this interview on Tuesday afternoon before the American League wild card game happened between the Yankees and Red Sox. Um, it was nice to see uh, Garrett Cole, the affiliate of himself, do so bad that he got taken out in the third inning. That was fun. $324 million contract flushed right down the drain. And uh, he couldn't make the pitches when he needed to in the biggest game of the season. So that, I'm sure, made Astros fans feel very good. Uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was, one of these fan accounts or one of these organizations that runs a lot of these Twitter memes and videos, they posted Kermit the Frog, uh, a video of Kermit the Frog, but with Garrett Cole's voice. It's on my Twitter page. I couldn't stop laughing at it. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, but I'll never forget that Game 7 2019 World Series media session that he had right after the game was over. Everybody was wondering why he didn't come into the game. There have been rumblings that he didn't want to come into the game, that uh, A.J. Hinch didn't put him into the game in time. Whatever you think, his attitude in that post-Game 7 media session was so just dreadful, and it was so uh, all about himself that I'll never forget a player who his team just lost Game 7 of the World Series, the biggest game of the season, just made it immediately all about himself. I I was floored. He wore his agent's cap. We all know this by this point. When the media representative asked him to come speak, he said, well, the season's over. I'm an affiliate of myself. Uh, I just, I've never seen that before. And uh, it was so selfish. And I, frankly, I'm glad he's not in Houston anymore. First of all, the Astros are never going to pay him $324 million. And look, he can't even make the pitches in the biggest game of the year to uh, make that contract worth it. He may win the Cy Young. Uh, Robbie Ray of the Blue Jays may win the Cy Young too. But um, it, it was nice to see Garrett Cole kind of struggle in that situation, especially the way he left town. Game one on Thursday, it'll be Lance Lynn for the White Sox. He's been their ace all season long. Has had some injury issues here towards the end of the season. I thought they would go with Lucas Giolito, who has been really, really good. Strikeout stuff 
Uh, I thought he was he was going to be the obvious choice, but Tony Larusa goes with Lance Lynn, the Bulldog, who has not had good success against the Astros, but maybe that changes now in the postseason. And Lucas Giolito will go in Game Two. It'll be Lynn versus Lance McCullers in Game One, 3:07 first pitch on Thursday of Game One of the ALDS. I was at the stadium on Tuesday for the Astros' first workout. It was awesome to see all the signage back up. They're painting the field again. It's kind of a tradition around these parts that Minute Maid Park is transformed into this playoff uh, haven, if you will. From my perspective, I hope it doesn't come back. I hope it's over in three games. I've said that before, being a White Sox fan. But Jeremy and I talk about this series and how we really do think it's, a, it's the closest series that we're going to see in the division series round. Uh, maybe with the exception, too. I mean, the Giants and Dodgers, if the Dodgers do beat the Cardinals, that's going to be close, too. But I think this one is the most hotly contested matchup of all the four that we're going to see. Jeremy and I talk about this. So without further ado, here's Jeremy Booth talking Astros-White Sox ALDS. Jeremy, fresh off his excursion to New York. First, I want to I want to say I saw the pictures that you posted from your Future Stars event. It looked really good. So congratulations on that. Thank you. You know, it was a very good event. Um, you know, New York is, uh, man, it's a special stage and stadium is outstanding. The people were in the ballpark and in the organization I was able to run into were outstanding. Um, first class experience all the way around. And, and we had a lot of guys perform, you know, like we thought we had 10 or 12, 10 or 12 guys that are potential first day picks, you know, first 40 guys in the draft. So the Astros will have a shot at one of those guys and the White Sox will have a shot at one of those guys. And, Tampa Bay Rays and you know, everybody's had a shot at one of those guys and some other guys that, uh, you know, probably fit in the three to six range, you know, and some other guys that, you know, just on where their, where, where their skills are today and, and some of the upside, they're more overpay later on in the draft. So, um, but that's how I like to do it. I like to have guys that, that show the, 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 what the world looks like and, and, and covers all drafts. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I had a good time and, uh, but I'm back home in, in the H and yeah. sitting here with with you this this wonderful afternoon early evening and, and and by the way nice northwestern shirt i saw the shirt that you had oh on. you did on my last yeah. podcast video yes yeah. right that was good yeah. right i saw it it was um i didn't see a sport attached to it but i did see the university okay. I, I i don't think i don't think we need to attach a sport to anything right now i, I okay. would just go with the northwestern look and uh i think this year this school year might be a wash but we don't need to talk about that because let's talk about <laughs> October baseball. Uh, it's finally here. You're back with our coverage. You're going to be there in person. And uh, we're excited. Yeah, we're excited. yeah I know. I can tell you're excited. Wow. Can I, can I keep the fuzz, though? Can I keep the fuzz? Sure. sure. Look at Matt Musil had fuzz for like, what, a year? And you had fuzz. I did. And, and I, I, have, I haven't let that down. I have the proof of that. I'm not sure who wore it better. We can check. You grow yours, I'll grow mine. How's that? Well, I think the answer is clear. I wore it better, but that's fine. Ah. We don't need to talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, all, right. all right. So playoff baseball is here. Astros, White Sox is the series that I've said many times before that I've dreaded because I, yeah. I hate when these two teams play. But it's going to be really good baseball. So we're going to get into some of the specifics here a little bit uh, about these two teams. But initially, when I say Astros, White Sox, what do you think? White Sox. And, and it's, it's, it's partially because, well, it's primarily because not partially because I don't, I think the bullpen issues they've had are solved, especially in a short series. I don't think it's uh, something we have to worry about spreading guys out for 162 or 30 or even, you know, I think it's, a, it's a five game set. 
And so anybody is on hand, really, in the bullpen. You got to get your starters to get through five. You can condense those games no problem. I mean, we saw Tampa do that last year, probably a perfection, right, until until that one fateful take Blake Snell out situation. But, I mean, it was done to perfection. So I, I don't – I don't, I'm not worried about that. I know that's been a concern out there. I, I'm not worried about that. I think the White Sox are just built different for this series. Well, not just the bullpen, but what, what makes you say that, uh, that they're built differently? I mean, you know, a lot of people point to the experience. This, this is the first time around, really, in this stage for a lot of these guys. Um, a lot of these players have never experienced anything like this, especially games one and two in a stadium like Minute Maid. Well, you know, let's, let's go backwards and let's talk about the Astros to work back to the White Sox, right? So the Astros have a batting champion, and good for Yuli Gurriel. That's could not have been a better rebound year for him in his time in his career. And also exactly what that club needed is in, in his production. There is a uh, former MVP playing second base, right? There is a, a all-star shortstop who has had, you know, when I look at it, it's been good production. It's been, it's been pretty good production. It hasn't been um, exceptional production for what you would expect out of him with the way he carries himself. And that's not an insult. That's just looking at the numbers. Um, it's better than a lot of guys, though. It's better than the Lindors and it's the Baezes and a lot of people that you, that you can run out there who have received that type of money. But you have a pretty good player, Carlos Correa. Yeah, because we were critical of him, whether because he didn't take that big deal, and we thought, okay, well, he's now he's going to have to put his uh, his actions to work, and he did. I, I thought yeah. for the most part he had, he had a pretty productive year. Yeah, he did. And you've got a, a third baseman in, in Alex Bregman, who's, who's a very good player when he's healthy, who's one of the more, more fiery guys and competitive guys probably on the roster. You've got a prolific designated hitter in Jordan Alvarez, right? You've, you've got a right fielder uh, in Kyle Tucker, who is consistently a good player now. I mean, it's better because of the guys around him. He's made some adjustments in his game. That is, has to do with a lot of the Astros shift in player development since the Jeff Luno, Mike Elias group was here um, and, and what they focused on and Kyle's willingness to listen. You've got kind of a center fielder, in my view. I don't care who you run out there. It's still by committee. That's what you've got up there in center field. And, and then you've got a very good player in Michael Brantley and left. You have a offense. For, and it doesn't matter who catches. Maldonado, Castro, I don't yeah. care. It's, that's a defensive position with that lineup. You run those guys out there man for man, and the White Sox, even as good as they are, have a hard time matching up with that. I mean, they don't, but that's a very, very good Astros lineup. That's still a very good Astros lineup. Um, on the mound, though, once you get past McCullers and you get past Valdez, I don't know what you have to really help you win games that you can count, you can rely on. And I think the White Sox, now I'll go to them, do match up you know, man for man, maybe they're one light or so, um, you know, position player wise. And as shaky as the Astros bullpen's been with anybody who's not Ryan Presley and, and Graveman's been okay. Um, you know, obviously Stanek's had some issues. There's been some things in there with guys have blown up. Um, Inconsistency you, with the bullpen is their biggest problem, I think. Yeah. But when you take out correct Kim, Kimbrell, we've talked about even just take out his troubles, right. Mm -hmm. And then some of the guys into the back end, you, you make that bullpen better and you eliminate your hole for the White Sox. So if we're matching up man for man and the White Sox pitching is ahead of that, I take the White Sox in that series. 
what player are you most excited to see in this series? For me, for me, and I'm not just saying this because I've been a, a White Sox fan for so long. I think it's Tim Anderson. Uh, and I know you've been high on him for a really long time, but I feel like he should be one of the faces of baseball. And he's finally getting a, an opportunity to play his style of baseball on the big stage, something that he has never had. And I think he is the key to that White Sox offense. If he gets on base, if he's the catalyst, then they, then they go. That's the player that I'm looking forward to. What about you in this series? What, what guy are you anxious to see? Can you see that? Yes, I know. Yeah, that, that's, yes. That's, yeah. That is that guy, you? Is that some random guy? <laughs> that would be the random guy. That's me. I, would, I cannot wait to see this guy play. I cannot wait to be around his energy. I can't wait to see um, the way he galvanizes this club, man. I can't wait to see him take play short. I'm going to be glued on Tim Anderson. He he is a type of player that, and and I, and and Astros got some of these guys too. Like I would pay money to see Alvarez hit, right? I mean, I'd pay money to see Altuve any day of the week. They got some of those guys, um, and I can't wait to see Tim Anderson. I can't wait to see what those guys do. I'm excited to see Abreu. Uh, I'm excited to see Mankata. I'm excited to see Giolito. I scouted a lot of these guys, and I haven't seen a lot of them since, you know, early in their pro career or their amateur career. Um, Tim Anderson, I haven't seen play since I was loudly shot down about selecting him in the first round <laughs> in Seattle. So, you know, I, I'm I'm really excited about about seeing that that club play. Maybe that's you know maybe that's part of the optimism and and the, and the the way I feel about them, maybe that's part of it is because I do know what these kids can do together. I also don't think they're scared of anything at all. I think the Astros are the veterans here and the White Sox are scared of literally nothing. So I'm excited to see that White Sox as a, as a club, but I am excited to see Tim Anderson. I agree. Well, I think the uh, dynamic is, and you know, you talk to a lot of Astros fans and the, the, you know, they're confident because you talked about the offense, which is, which is, which is really, really good. But the last time the Astros played these White Sox, they did not have uh, Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. And uh, Robert's another one of those five-tool guys that not a lot of people know about. And I think he's another one that I think may catch some Astros fans by surprise. They'll be like, oh, wait a minute. Who is this guy? That's another one of those threats, I feel like. <laughs> Do you remember the movie For Love of the Game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm not a big Hollywood reference guy, but the baseball movies in, in, in Hollywood um, – Bull Durham, uh, for love of the game, both costume movies, by the way, even Major League. You know, some of these things have some, especially Major League Two with Parkman. Like those are yeah. that was. Some of those movies have a lot of um, um, a lot of reference to what things are actually like. And there's a line in um, in for love of the game, and I can't remember the character's name. It's the Yankees, and Billy Chappell's on the mound. He's pitching. And it's Ken Stroud. That's the player's name. Ken Stroud is the son of another player who played with Billy Chappell once upon a time. Anyway, it's a no-hitter. There's two outs. And the Ken Stroud kids at the plate hitting. And the announcer says, Vin Scully is the announcer. And he says something like, if you don't understand the situation that you're in, you're not going to be overwhelmed by it. And I don't think the White Sox players understand any of this. And Luis Roberts is a prime example. They don't care it's the postseason. They're just here to play baseball, man. They're just trying to win. And when you do that, you are extremely dangerous. It's every reason why the Toronto Blue Jays were the team that nobody wanted to play, and the White Sox are right in that mold. So Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, um, you know, Tony La Russa in the chair, who, who's got this team playing the right – yep, plays keep playing the right direction. We'll get to that in a second. We'll get to oh, that in a second. 
gonna gonna get gonna uh, move. You know, he's got them going the right direction. Um, you know, I I excited about postseason baseball. I'm excited for tonight's game. You know, with with the uh, with the Yankees and Red Sox. Um, but I'm I gotta tell you, I think this is gonna be one of the more exciting series. And and I think that you know Luis Robert and and, and the entire White Sox club that wasn't here the first time around because they're different here now. They're yeah. different experience wise now. And and I know that you've been dreading it because you're a native Cinco Ranchian, right? And I and I it's it. And yes, I, you're right. And, and 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 you went to Northwestern and, and grew up with you know rooting for the White Sox, but you, you know this is going to be fun. Like I, this is going to be fun when we're at the ballpark. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's why I said I was going to talk about you when I go to Chicago, because Please that do. place is going to be going nuts, and I can't wait to go go be for that there for that either. Yeah, that game three is going to be awesome. First playoff game in 13 years. It's a night game. It's going to be blacked out. Everyone's wearing black. I mean that that is. That is going to be an awesome experience. I do want to talk about, since you're on the player development side of things and have been for such a long time, the development of both of these franchises. The Astros okay. have had their golden era, obviously, of uh, Astros baseball now. We've seen the development kind of come through. These young guys, the White Sox, I feel like they're entering maybe one of their golden eras right now. How, how do the two sides compare? I know you were critical, obviously, of Luno, Elias, and all that stuff before. But a lot <laughs> of these guys came in before they took over, right? So, um how do you compare the development on both of these teams and their trajectories? Well, you know, the White Sox ha has been an organization that has been, uh, man, you know, Reinsdorf's what I call a very loyal guy, you know, and he's been very, you know, um, loyal, I wouldn't say is what, what I'm looking for. He's been very uh, steadfast in his belief of the guys he has there, this group of people he has there to help them become a winning ball club again. Um, the Astros went through, I mean, the uh, White Sox went through a period where they didn't draft well. They just didn't draft well. They also went through a period where they didn't develop well. But a couple of years ago, starting with, I'd say 2012, give you an idea how long this really takes, right? Starting in 2012, they started to draft better. Since then, they've drafted players every year and made some international signs and made the right acquisitions through trades to build the core. It's just taken eight years to see it. Right. Flash back to Bobby Heck and we talk about Jeff Luno and Bobby Heck and Ed Wade. And we talk about Jeff Luno and and uh, and Elias and Sigma Doll and um, Brandon Togman and Seingate and anything having to right. do with that, that part of that group. And we I, it doesn't just not going to take three or four years. It's impossible. It takes a while to build it. You don't see what is it what a GM's really done for five to seven years in. That's why I'm, I'm also a proponent, by the way, I'll say it right now, of seven years for a general manager. Because you have to have a chance to change the culture, draft some classes, turn it over, and see what happens. And I, and I feel like what you're seeing in White Sox in the White Sox is Kenny Williams has been, done a good job in the position he's in. Rick Hans had some up and downs in the position he's in. He's done a good job. They've changed managers a couple of times, right? And that's that's part of it. Sometimes it's the right guy at the right time. Um, sometimes you let it, let a guy go not because he's the wrong, he's bad at what he does. He just might not be the right guy for that time. Right. Um, you plug players in around it. And the White Sox needed some some cultural, uh, I don't want to say changes, but adjustments at the big leagues, some lessons they wanted to be taught, uh, which, again, is that's the La Russa part. And so they plug in Tony La Russa and he comes back in kind of to get them over the hump. But player development wise and scouting wise, this organization has done a, an excellent job. Mike Shirley's done a good job in the chair. Um, you know, Kenny Williams and, and Kenny Williams Jr. and Joe Butler and, and the staff that they've had there along with their, their minor league development group has done a good job. They have ventured into analytics only slightly 
just enough to make sure they understood what was going on. I yeah. listened to their analytic people talk in the room, so I know they're there. Uh, but they've done a lot of traditional role building and, and scouting. And a couple of years ago, I sat with Joe, uh, Joe Butler, who I've been fortunate enough to know since I was about 12. And I sat with him and I said, hey, man, you guys about to be good in about three years. And he said, yeah, we're going to be good right around 21 or 22. I still think they're a year early. This team has a chance to be scary good because they built themselves, um, you know, the right direction time after time after time. And they allowed their regime to see it through. Um, the Astros, ooh, the Astros, um, and so I've heard this a couple of times, and I'm not saying it's true, but I'm going to say this to you now on air, because I think this is just has to be, it's germane to the question that you asked. Um, I've heard James Click and, and Jim Crane, it, they're kind of getting at it a little bit, and I've heard they're not in the best of, uh, of relationships. I mean, it's true, just at all, and I'm not saying it is. I'm saying I've heard that. What that means is... I, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I had not, I had not heard that before. Yeah. I've heard that three times now. And so usually when I hear it three times, I start saying maybe there's something to it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there is. I, I'm not in those conversations. I'm saying that I know that James Click and looking what he wants to do player development wise um, is going to shift away from what Luno and Elias did. He's going to add staff. He's going to add traditional thought. He's going to add scouts. He's going to turn around and have a cohesive unit between the two of them. He's going to balance out what he does in Latin America versus what he does in the U.S. in, the, in this draft. He's going to balance out um, what his pro scouting is and, and try to get guys at the lower levels to get them through the big leagues. He's not going to buy high in AAA and bring guys up. He's going to do things a little bit different, a little bit the same. And to do that, you need staffing and people to relay this information. A good example, the, the hitting coordinator there, or the former hitting coordinator, whose name is escaping me, um, is now the player development director for the Mets, okay? The Mets are, player development-wise, an absolute unmitigated abomination, okay? And and it's not, it's, it's directly tied to the succession of people they've had there that can't tell player development from, you know, you know, food development. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing. They don't know wow. what they're doing. So it's, it's when it, this guy was the hitting coordinator in Houston, um, if you look at what's been homegrown through the system, it's been the guys who have got to the big leagues and made adjustments here without Cintron and, and Gary Pettis. And, and, and before that, you know, the guys that were here. Brent Strom has, has done a nice job. Right. So yeah. it's not it's not what's happened in the minors. They haven't produced a whole lot. Um, and they only started to get better when that guy went to the Mets. Then they got rid of. <laughs> Yeah, they got rid of some of the things that that weren't uh, that weren't very good. I mean, they got a guy named, you know, they got some guys in the system that are doing a good job now, but it's only in the last couple of years since James Cook's been able to do this. And it's been a fast two years. He's been able to do this to get some people in to help. Um, I think they're on the right track. Is that is that not what you think Jim Crane wants? Is that why? I mean, I'm, I'm not speculation. That's fine. But we're, we're talking here on a podcast. So. You know, he he want click wants to do things a little differently. Why do you, why would you think they they would not be seeing eye to eye? I think Crane wants a winner. Maybe he doesn't want to pay big big money for some of these guys, but that's not in the player development side yet, right? You know, I feel like I'm a Disney cartoon right now with how I'm looking at you. You know, but I I think I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that uh, I think Jim Crane wants to win. I think Jim Crane was so bought in to the I am Lord Voldemort mentality of Jeff Luno okay <laughs> that it was like I'm going to just look at a number and two plus two equals five and bam there's the world series instead you know I mean I heard a story the other day about how when he came in he you know Ed Wade and Bobby Heck were still here and their whole staff he didn't know 
any of those guys. He was looking at the system as a whole, realizing where it was from what Tal Smith, right? He was the guy before that. And Tim Perpura and all those guys where that system had been left. That was a shambles. Okay. And that had to be started. Okay. That had to be started all over. And just, it's not, again, I hate to say this because it's really hard to do what these guys do. It's not an indictment of Perpura and Smith and anybody else they had. It's, it's just where it was. It's just, that didn't work. And that's where it was. So when Wade and Bobby Heck got in, they were here for three years and they started to build things forward and the system started to get good. Well, the system has to get good before it's bad in the big leagues and, and or before it's good in the big leagues and, and Wade and his model wasn't to tank like some of these other guys are. They, they, they weren't trying to tank. They were trying to be competitive. Um, and so they had some mid range teams, which means you have to be a better scout and staff. Yeah. Well, they have one of the best scouts in baseball leading it. And that was, you know, a Robert H. Heck, right? So when it comes down to how they were building at Crane, kind of lumped Tal Smith's disaster of an organization mm. in Ed Wade and Bobby Heck. Here comes Luno, who, by the way, was choice number two to Andrew Friedman, if we remember that backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Andrew Friedman said, no, nah, I'm not coming. Nope, not doing it. Staying right here in Tampa where it's safe. So he stayed in Tampa. He stayed in Tampa. <laughs> they hire, you know, the second option. I mean, Friedman ended up being okay, I think. He's all right. But yeah, they hire the okay. second option, and the second option comes in and proceeds to take what Bobby and Ed and all that entire group have been building to get away from and takes credit for it and takes it forward to seven years. Okay. I think Crane's bought into that because Luno ultimately was his guy. Doesn't mean that Luno was more analytical than Friedman. Quite the opposite. He wasn't. Friedman's more analytical than him. And the Tampa Bay tree is, is something we'll talk about here in, in a second because they're in this postseason too. Right. Cool, right. But when you tie that together, I don't think Crane looks at his own Tampa Bay oriented GM and says, wait a minute, what do you mean we got to do it this way? We can do it this way. We can do it with six people in the entire planet. And they're going right. to sit here in Houston, and we're gonna not going to have this scout or that scout. We're going to send a camera out. And James like, mm, 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 nope. And so that is, I think that's the headache is, is, is you know, Crane wants to make money, doesn't want to spend it. He's a businessman guy. You got to spend money sometimes to make money. In this game in particular, you may not have to have a, a heavy and bloated staff, but you certainly got to have a staff. And I think that that's probably your headache, right? Uh, hiccup right there is that. Given that, how pivotal then is this year's run for this Astros organization? This, 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 I mean, like I said, it's the golden era. This could be five straight ALCSs. That's, I mean, I can't even remember the last time a team did that off the top of my head, which is awesome. But how, how important is this run for this? You know, Brant, Brantley's got another year, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go one more. Yeah. Um, I would still be surprised, ovation aside, if Carlos Correa signed anywhere else but here. I think they'll pay him. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you I, on that. I agree. I think so I, I think he's back. I think that it keeps the window open for a very young Alvarez who can do his thing. I think Yuli's earned at least another two years with a batting title, right? So I don't think you see this quote core go anywhere. I, we're not looking at a at a Mets situation where it's time to you know sit there and, and, and throw a grenade and go pull. Like we're not we're not <laughs> talking about that. We're talking about this over this over here where I think they still have a chance to be pretty good. They need to solve center field. I don't think anything they have out there is an answer for an everyday. You need to solve center field, and they need to, and Castro and Maldonado seem to work just fine. I'd ride this horse another year or two. I really would. Maybe at least one year for the guys that are on the bubble. Um, I'd probably try to extend Brantley right now for an extra year. Just, hey, just add one more on. Yeah. Um, 
because I think these guys like playing together. I think the cloud of the science doing the scandal has to be behind them now. Um, and I think that they've got the right people in player development where if they can keep Dusty, they can add some pitching and re-sign Correa. Um, they can make this go for another three or four years just based on the nucleus that's still here uh, that, that now has taken three front offices to build. It's not like it's just one. It's been three now, including this one, right? Including this mm -hmm. one. So I think if um, – I think if they can do that, I think it's an important year, but I think it allows them to recover some draft picks, allows them to do some more damage in the, in the market, let them assess in the national market, let them assess what is working development-wise with their new people who are doing a good job. Those that they brought in are doing a good job. And you know me, I've been the hardest on the Astros for the last five years than anybody you've ever seen. And I'm oh, still, sure. I'm saying that they are doing a good job under James Click. So I, I feel like it's a good year, a good, a, a good reason to extend for another two um, and then see what you have at that point. And, and these Astros could still be pretty good for another five, six years if they do it right. I don't know if it's the baseball nostalgia. You've been around the game for a long time. I've watched it for a long time. I think it's kind of cool that Dusty Baker and Tony La Russa are managing against each other again. They've done it for so many times. In fact, Dusty, I think, said today at the first workout, he said, you know, I kind of kind of anticipated this happening when uh, Tony got brought on to the White Sox, uh, which I thought was an interesting quote, uh, that he kind of thought that this was kind of in the cards, right? Because they what do, what do you think about those two guys and uh, the impact that the, I was hard on La Russa. I get it. I own that. That's fine. It seemed to have worked out pretty well. <laughs> uh, but the impact that those two guys have had, not just in the game, but on these organizations is, is pretty huge, especially at their age. Well, you know, earlier we talked about the right guy at the right time. We talked about that. Right. And, and I, I know in 2021, we're not supposed to use the word guy when we're talking about this, we are talking about, um, and there are women who do a great job in professional baseball. And I'm only saying that because um, I'm all for diversity, as obviously, as long as it's the, in, the, in the right place to make an organization better. And not everybody can do everybody's job. Um, <clears throat> using myself as an example, there are positions in Major League Baseball that I have passed. There are positions in Major League Baseball that I am qualified for, and there are positions in Major League Baseball I would not take, and there are positions in Major League Baseball I'm not ready for. And I could not step onto the field in a Major League game right right now and do the job that Tony La Russa and Dusty Baker are it doesn't mean I'm less than because I can't do that right what I would tell you is those two guys right guy at the right time the White Sox needed a a, a steady rudder that put a little bit more discipline a little more etiquette a little a little bit more this is how we play the game okay when it comes to the Astros the Astros needed love they need a guy that was tough guy that was going to defend them but man they needed some love Right. Those players had been through a lot <clears throat> and um, self-inflicted, but they'd been through a lot and they needed somebody to kind of have their back a little bit. Dusty did that. He, both those guys have earned the respect of their clubhouses. Both those guys earned the respect of their organizations. Um, Dusty's the first guy to take five teams to the postseason. I mean, that's in, that's ridiculous that he's done that. Incredible, um, really, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I feel like you know, the age notwithstanding that you managing is about understanding the situation that you're in, the people you're around um, and be able to understand the flow of the game. And for all the people that said the game had passed either one of these guys by, they're showing you with all the failures upon failures, upon failures, upon failures of guys like Jace Tingler, that these guys have done a really good job, right? Where they are. So, 
Um, I mean, even AJ Hinch, you know, when he was here, he, he failed the first time around. He had to become more of a, um, uh, yeah. he had to evolve as a manager, right? He failed in Arizona and he was here and he became a good manager and did a good job in Detroit, you know? Yeah. So I, I think these guys are the right guys at the right time. AJ Hinch with this club is the wrong guy, you know, with the Astros, he's the wrong guy, you know, and, and even Renteria, you know, he's probably okay, but there's some differences between Tony and Renteria and uh, Rick Renteria in Chicago. AJ is the right guy in Detroit. Why? Because AJ is good at getting young players to believe in themselves and develop along the way. Yeah. And D- Dusty Baker is good at saying, Hey, Daniel, yeah, man, I know you thought you uh, you did that sign stealing. I know you had that drum bang for you and whistles. And, you know, I know we had some buzzers and some some you know telegrams all sent to you. They get it. No uh, carrier pigeons, the whole yeah, thing. It's, yeah. it's all right. It's all over. Just go out and play well. That's that's dusty. You know, I love you. We're good. And and the Astros needed that. You couldn't ask for a better guy. Just right to, right time, right guy, right time. I think it's gonna be a fun postseason. Um, let's take a look at the broader picture before I let you go. Major League, I think one of the teams that I'm looking forward to watching on this stage is Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee's got a great pitching staff. I mean, that was one of the teams when I saw earlier this year, I was like, okay, well, pitching is the playoffs is all about pitching. I think Milwaukee can have a a good run. I don't know how you think about this playoff. We've talked about the Astros and White Sox, but overall, what do you think about this postseason? It could be kind of fun. Well, I think I'll start in the National League since you brought up the Brewers, you know, another former stomping ground um, twice. I, I feel like um, Milwaukee deserves a winner, just like Chicago deserves a winner. I feel like Milwaukee deserves a winner. And by Chicago, I do mean the White Sox. Okay. White Sox have waited a little while, you know. Yeah. Um, but when it, when it comes to, uh, to Milwaukee, they deserve a winner. Um, you know, that organization has done a good job of winning at the big league level. I'm not going to go beyond that because we don't need to focus on anything else for the purpose of this conversation. Uh, but they're well constructed. That roster is put together and they got a chance to do some damage. I, I think um, it's going to be them and whichever one emerges from the Dodgers and Giants slugfest. Right. Because I, I don't I don't see the Cardinals hanging with the Dodgers. I just don't. And look, you got to play the game and anything could happen. But whoever emerges out of that is going to end up playing the Brewers for the right to go to the World Series. Um, and that's going to be a bloodbath and we should we should absolutely love watching that because Milwaukee's a pretty good club I agree with you a lot of fun a lot of strikes a lot of efficiency in what they do um and 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 and, and you know some what I would call timely offense and situational yeah. hit that plays well with enough power to change the game with any one swing that's a good club um on the AL side I think Tampa Bay rolls right through whoever goes at him with Boston and New York. I think Boston and New York should probably enjoy it right now because this is bragging rights. And then whoever they play after that is Tampa. Um, you know, I think you're going to look at Tampa, um, Houston, uh, um, Boston, by the way, is and, and I'm tying this back to uh, Tampa Bay because I think they're still the class of the AL. And I think them and the White Sox is where this is going to end up, as I told you. Um, and Dodgers, all four GMs, Tampa Bay race connection to Tampa Bay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Got to wonder what the Mets are thinking right now. <laughs> it's unfortunate, man, that they don't have such a great, a bigger support. The fan base, man, they're going to split their games next year with what Montreal. I mean, that. Uh, I mean, that's such a good club. It's such a fun team to watch. I re- they really are. They have no fans, but that's a really fun baseball team to watch. They do things the right way. They play defense. Their defense is amazing. They pitch. Timely hitting Nelson Cruz in the middle of that lineup is a big addition. I thought that was a good get. I think they're dangerous. I, th- I think Tampa is really good. 
I think that I think you're looking at Tampa and the White Sox, and and, and I I think that Tampa matches up better. Um, I think I think Houston might match up better with Tampa, you know, for for success. I do. I think the White Sox, though, um, I still think they're a year early, and I'm not sure that Tampa gets by either team, just how they're they're constructed. But if if it's Houston and Tampa, I think it's a slugfest. If it's the White Sox and Tampa, I think Tampa takes the series. Just saying. But I also think the White Sox beat the Astros, right? So it's 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 not so much where they sit; it's it's who they're playing when they're playing them. Um, and nationally, I think you're looking, like I said, that, you know, whoever comes out of the slugfest versus Milwaukee, and we got two pretty fun series. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick, if I have to pick a World Series winner right now, I'm not going to. We're going to wait. Oh, a little. come on. <laughs> uh, oh. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick. All right. I'll pick a World Series winner and I'm going to pick Tampa Bay. All right. That's a good All one. Right. I'm going to pick bit. Tampa Bay. Well, but I also give myself an out because if Boston wins a World Series, I technically pick Tampa Bay. The Dodgers win the World Series, I technically pick Tampa Bay. If the Astros win the World Series, I technically pick Tampa Bay. So it's like that genealogy tree. I gotcha. But, yeah. Okay. No. Whatever I, I, feels, whatever makes it work in here. And then, it's gonna have to. It's gonna have to connect one way. And I, I think. Yeah. Um, I do. I think the Tampa Bay is. It's going to end up Tampa Bay and the Dodgers. I think in the World Series. Again. Again. Or Tampa Bay and the Giants, and one of those two. That's it's too close to call the Giants and Dodgers. It's too close to call. I can't pick one yet. Can't wait to see it. Uh, I said this. Uh, you, you're picking the White Sox. I'm picking the Astros in five. Although I do say if the White Sox steal one of these games, this series isn't coming back to Houston. I think it's over in Chicago. Agreed. All right, Jeremy. See you at the ballpark, buddy. Yeah, see you tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Jeremy, for that insight. Always appreciate that. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Astros and White Sox getting together for the first time in the playoffs since the 2005 World Series. The other bit of good news that came out of this today, at least for the White Sox perspective, is that Jose Abreu, uh, as I'm sorry, I got distracted there. There are, by the way, I have a bunch of ants in my house. I don't know where they're coming from, but it's really annoying. So I just had to kill one there. Sorry about that. I have to figure this out. I got to get pest control on it. Anyway, Jose Abreu is uh, likely going to be in the lineup. He did not make the trip from Chicago with the White Sox because he was battling some flu-like symptoms, not COVID-related. He was just feeling under the weather. Weather had a fever, but he's broken the fever. And if you know Jose Abreu. It's going to take a lot to keep him out of that game. He's been waiting for this opportunity for a long time. He's seen a lot of bad baseball on the south side, but he's finally getting playoff baseball, meaningful playoff baseball in front of fans for the first time in his pretty successful career. So I'm, I have no doubt that he's going to play in game one. We'll see how he does perform because, yeah, man, those flu-like symptoms can get you. Uh, so that was the big news coming out of Wednesday. And, again, I mentioned Lance Lynn, the starter for the White Sox, Lance McCullers, Jr., for the Astros. Let's get it going, right? ALDS action. You're not going to see me on social media. I'm done. I'm gone from social media until this series is over because I can't mentally handle it. I'm going to kind of be in my own little world, <laughs> uh, social media-wise, uh, non-social media-wise, I should say. I'm going to be in my own little world processing this series. Uh, you may see me pop in and there, but I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to take a break. So until next time, I will talk to you guys next week. See you.